0: Well, hey, friends, welcome to another episode of Called to Confidence. I have something a little different for you today. And over the next few episodes, I'm going to read my book, The Girl in the Garage, Three Steps to Letting Go of Your Past to You. Now, in case you're new to the show or new to me and my story, the story that I've written is very PG. But if you have small children in the room, you may not want to have to explain to them some of the things in the book. So I would suggest that you either listen later when they're not around or put in some earbuds. Also, you might want to grab a notebook and a pen. My book is written workbook style. So as I'm reading this to you, I'm going to guide you into those sections and prompt you. And um, hey, This is going to be a great time. If you are struggling with confidence and self-worth issues, I've got you covered. All right, let's do this. What if the only thing standing in the way of changing your life was having the confidence you need? I found there's three areas you need to be confident in, in order to succeed. Your mind, your faith, and your leadership one or all three of these areas will always be in play you are listening to call to confidence i'm your host sharon hughes and confidence looks good on you the girl in the garage three steps to letting go of your past chapter four the crazy just doesn't end the unexpected phone call was from my brother David. I hadn't seen David in at least six years since our father had kicked him out of the house shortly after we returned from Missouri. I had no idea where my brother had been all this time. David asked if I wanted to see our mother. She was living in California again, and Stephanie agreed to let me go for the weekend. At the end of the weekend, my mother and stepfather asked Stephanie, if they could take me and the next thing I knew I was moving in with them. I'm sure Stephanie felt it was better than me entering the foster care system. Within days of moving in with my mother and stepfather, Kevin's younger brother Alex put his hand in my shorts and fondled me. To this day the green shorts I was wearing are sealed in my mind. It's so hard to even write these words and admit this But at this point, this really had become my normal. Those who should have protected me were using me for their own gratification. I was buying the lie that I was a sex toy, here for the taking, and a bigger lie had crept in. I started believing this must be who I am. I have to put up with it in order to belong, be loved. I had to compromise myself. And that maybe this is what's expected of me. I had zero self worth. It was in these confusing teenage years that should have been full of slumber parties and bubblegum flavored lip, lip gloss that I gave in to the pressure to be sexually active. A girlfriend of mine that had been intimate with her boyfriend began encouraging me and even coaching me on what to do and how to do it. She ended up pregnant at 16 and dropped out of high school. I was only 14 years old when I willingly crossed the line, giving myself away to my boyfriend Joe. Is it really any surprise? I did this. I don't think so. I was primed for the pattern. This isn't grace, hope, or healing. I don't know exactly what religion my mother and stepfather were practicing, but it wasn't the grace-filled, healing, and restorative relationship with Christ that I have now. They believed that if you have sex before marriage, and especially if you get pregnant before marriage, you're damned and may not be forgiven. Dirty, you have to pay for it, and they whisked me off to meet their pastor. I guess they forgot they both left marriages for each other. Let's stop here for a truth break. In John 8, 2-11 is the following story. I've paraphrased it for you. A woman was caught in adultery and brought before Jesus. The Pharisees made her stand before the people that had gathered. Right there, they are shaming her. They didn't bring the man she was caught with Hmm. they try to get Jesus to give them permission to stone her but instead Jesus writes in the dirt and says let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her they all walked away he says to the woman woman where are they has no one condemned you No one, sir, she replied. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Drop the mic right there, Jesus. He's a total rock star, but more. He's your Savior. Clearly, Jesus came to shake things up, call out injustice, and set us free from brokenness. After a very brief introduction with their pastor, and a stern talking to. I was told to sit in his office until I could speak in tongues. Because that would fix everything, right? I was there a few hours and I felt nothing but shame, confusion, and betrayal. Apparently he didn't understand what Jesus did in John 8. Shame never solves anything. Somehow, in all the chaos of my life, I believed in Jesus. I had as long as I could remember. I really didn't know much about him except what I learned at Sunday school when I was in elementary school, and I completely feared God. I thought God was like my parents, just waiting for me to mess up so he could punish me, but I was wrong. Thank goodness, right? What happens in Vegas? I don't know why they felt it necessary. But when I was 16, my mother and stepfather drove my boyfriend Joe, who was 18, and I to Las Vegas and made us get married. When we returned, Joe's parents were livid and rightfully so. Who does such a crazy thing? I seem to be asking that all through my story. And in case you're wondering, no, I wasn't pregnant. My parents were just plain nuts. Joe's parents annulled the Las Vegas nightmare. He was sent out of state and I never saw him again. Thank God, Joe's parents stepped in and took control. Yes, it was a gut-wrenching experience for a 16-year-old kid, but Vegas was a bad idea from the beginning. As I'm writing this, I feel like I need to take a deep breath. It's just so much crazy and there's more. Life just kept going as if none of this had ever happened. I ended up dropping out of school, shocker right, and took a job at Knott's Berry Farm. My life had become one big roller coaster ride, so I figured I might as well work where I can ride them. Chapter 5: Halloween Party Horror. At a small steakhouse my family frequented, there was a busboy named Randy. I don't know how old Randy was, but he was in college and had a car. He had dark curly hair with piercing blue eyes. He invited me to his older sister's Halloween party, and my mom said I can go. Can we just stop here and ask why in the world, after all this drama with my mother and stepfather, would they allow me to go out with an older boy I was only 16, and it hadn't been that long since the whole Las Vegas nightmare. This was a very bad idea. Randy picked me up and off we went to the Halloween party. When we got there, he was distant and definitely not interested in being my date. I was disappointed, of course, and didn't really know what to do with myself since I didn't know anyone else at the party. At about 8.30, one of Randy's sisters handed me a drink, and I took it with me into the bathroom. I remember looking at my costume in the mirror and taking a few sips from the cup. Within moments, I was so sleepy I laid down on the floor. To this day, I remember it as if it were yesterday. I thought, I just need to lay down for a minute, and I passed out. I have a vague, blurred memory of being put into a car and getting sick. Seven hours later, I woke up in a garage and Randy was on top of me. I pushed him off and desperately tried to get my bearings. I made my way out of the garage and realized I had no idea where I was. Randy kept telling me to be quiet as I stumbled through the front door of the house we were at. A man was asleep on a recliner in the living room, and there was just enough light from the television to read the clock on the wall. It was 3.30 in the morning. Everything began to spin, and I wanted to go home. I don't know what happened to me for seven hours. I was unconscious, and I don't want to know. Believing a lie is just as powerful as believing the truth. Randy drove me home and didn't say a word. He dumped me in my front yard and left. There I was in the dark, completely broken. The front door was locked and the porch light was off. I was horribly sick and was probably going into a trauma-induced shock. I rang the doorbell over and over and my mother finally opened the door. When she did, she just looked at me. She didn't ask what happened or if I was okay. She didn't take me to the emergency room or call the police. In that very moment, my belief that I had no value and was a worthless sex toy became what I believed about myself. Believing a lie is just as powerful as believing the truth. And for me, it was so powerful, it held me hostage for almost 30 more years. So, on the crazy scale, what shall we rate this? I'd give this a solid 10. I would be horrified if my teenage daughter was out that late. I would have been up pacing the floor waiting for her, worried sick, and definitely asking questions when she finally came home. I sit here present day 2019 and I can't get my brain around it. I think my mother had some sort of mental illness that went undiagnosed. Vinegar is not fermented my mother numbed out with sleeping pills regularly when life was too much looking back i realize she was part of her own problems because of the terrible choices she made but she wasn't equipped to break the patterns that held her so she self-medicated nothing made any sense to me and i had no one to turn to all i knew was i was screaming at the top of my lungs and no one heard me i couldn't go on anymore it was Like, I couldn't breathe. In my desperation, I decided when my mom left for the grocery store, I'd take a handful of her sleeping pills. So when she left, I did just that and chased them down with vinegar. Naive me thought vinegar was fermented like wine. I guess it's a good thing I didn't know the difference. I slept several hours and nothing happened. That was my attempt at suicide and no one ever knew. It became another secret I carried around. I felt so ashamed that I would even consider it. Now I look back and it's not surprising at all, is it? Fresh out of fresh starts. After the Halloween nightmare and Las Vegas crazy train, my mother and stepfather moved to Oregon for a fresh start with me in tow. At this point, I was desperately broken, and I mean desperately. I had absolutely no idea I had PTSD and still hadn't told anyone what happened to me on Halloween. Every night I desperately cried out to Jesus for help and prayed my childhood prayer. Now I lay me down to sleep and promised God I would be good. This is how twisted the lies are when abuse happens. If you see yourself in my story, please, please don't believe you have to be good to be loved and to stop the abuse. This is a huge common lie, and it's not from God. Many well-meaning religious people believe they have to be good to be loved by God. That belief does not set anyone free, no matter how you slice it and serve it. In fact, it deepens the bondage of fear. This verse is pretty clear. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Romans 8, 1 Well, that's chapters 4 and 5, and I know you're probably just thinking, holy cow, I think holy cow too when I recall those things that happened to me. Hey, hang in there, because I just want you to know some of these things so that you really do see what's possible to overcome but we're going to get into some really good parts (laughs) that are a lot easier to listen to and to process more questions um reflection points and places to journal so um hey just know that i am nobody special and If I can get through some pretty insane things you can too but what's really super cool is that the Lord is with us and I know that might even spur a question for you to be thinking like well what kind of God would allow somebody to go through these kind of things and um, you know what we're going to answer that question towards the end of the book I have a chapter in there about why I'm not angry and, um, you know, I think that a lot of loose ends that you might be wondering about as we're getting into this are going to be tied up by the time we get through. So thank you so much for being here and for listening and I would love to hear from you. You can contact me at Sharon at SharonHughes.net or follow me on Instagram, SharonHughesOfficial and stay connected. All right. Have a great day.